0: Hello and welcome back to this week's edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. How are you? I hope you're well. It is the 1st of June 2022 as I broadcast this. We're just about to go into the fantastic platinum jubilee times and that's caused a few worries amongst many buyers and sellers from the emails I'm receiving in. Uh, We've had downvaluation queries, when to sell, why am I not getting viewings right now from people that have written in, emailed and called us. And so I want to answer those questions one by one. But first of all, let's go through the news today. What's going on in the wider market as far as the national press is reporting, starting with an article from the Daily Telegraph, the share of homes advertised with discounted asking prices has jumped across Britain this month, says Zoopla. The biggest discounts were in markets that recorded the steepest house price growth over the last two years. Scotland's market had the largest average discount of 18.8%, equivalent to 34,000 off the typical home there. The share of sellers cutting their prices by at least 5% rose from 2.8% to 3.4% in the month to May 2022, according to the Office for National Statistics. Wales came in second place, and the share of properties with price cuts there jumped at least 5%, Uh, that was then over the same period with an average discount of 11.1%. This meant buyers there could save an average of 22,000. And the Northeast also had its share of sellers cutting prices, and that went from 5.1% of sellers to 6.2%, or equal to one in every 16 advertised homes. The average price cut was 10%. Now, one of the things about price cuts is you have to ask yourself, from where was the price cut? And let me qualify that it's all about what the valuation was in the first place and whether that valuation was indeed realistic because the market's been so bullish and because estate agents are desperate for stock what many agents are doing is overvaluing houses in order to get people to sign up on long contracts and the idea is that if you overvalue the property you excite the clients about getting more than perhaps other agents estimate they would achieve and therefore, you manage to get them to sign up with you, perhaps on a larger fee. Certainly, generally speaking, in my experience, for a longer period of time. And that's the critical thing. If you have a sole agency contract, let's say for 16 or 20 weeks, even if the seller doesn't like you much or the advice they've given or doesn't trust you anymore because you've been they've been misled by the agent, the nonetheless, the seller on a sole agency agreement is bound to stick with that person for the number of weeks agreed even worse there's usually a notice period which often isn't drawn to the attention of the seller so for instance you might have a 16 or a 20 week contract with some of the large corporates and then after that you have to give them two to four weeks notice And only after that two to four weeks notice expire. So, you know, we could be talking about a number of months here where you've got no buyer, you're overvalued, the agents lied to you, and it can be very frustrating. So then when we talk about sellers cutting home prices, are we talking about the real prices or are we talking about the falsely inflated prices? A very important distinction and in my experience at the moment we're looking at homes locally that are still vastly overpriced in some cases and they're the ones that are sticking around they're the ones that are not selling if people are realistic and pricing competitively then the market certainly here in london is strong still and what we're actually finding here in london is this that actually while some of the places where the steepest rises are dropping off a little here in london Perhaps we're behind the curve a little because, of course, while they were selling their properties out in the countryside and down in the holiday destinations here in London, the market was stagnant because the country was most, the capital was mostly locked down. Now, with the release of the capital and people coming back to work to commute and realizing that perhaps they have to come into the office more than they expected, we're certainly finding an uptick in the number of people looking to buy here. The confidence levels are certainly up considerably and the number of people looking to rent as well. Uh, but it's interesting to see that there are cuts in prices the other thing to say of course is that it it is about the level of interest that you're getting and the way that your agent is presenting your home and there are three things important with that. we've talked about that many times that is getting the price point right in the first place getting the promotion right and the presentation a combination of all three of those things has to be just right very balanced in order to make sure you have the best opportunity of selling then we have uh, families facing new inheritance tax bills of 266,000 this is an article in the Telegraph and the Express. The average inheritance tax bill was surged 266,000 pounds this year as soaring inflation pushes more and more homeowners over the threshold new analysis shows. A freeze on the tax-free thresholds combined with post-pandemic house price growth means that more estates are liable for inheritance tax. The average bill by a family court for inheritance tax is now expected to be 266000 this financial year, according to the Investment Service Wealth Club. There's a jump of 27% compared to before the pandemic in 2019-20 tax year. It means in the decade since 2012-2013 tax year, the average inheritance tax bill was written by, risen by 57%. That's atrocious, isn't it, really? Renters bullied by landlords. Now, this is an article that I think is very misleading and I do find it frustrating when I see these articles but let me read it to you anyway uh, this is an article that says tenants are renters bullied by landlords and evicted without notice now I'm not condoning this of course it's awful but let's get it into perspective because the government would have you believe and some commentators would have you believe that rogue landlords form the biggest part of the UK market when in fact over the year, 7,778 illegal evictions took place in 2021. That's a 12% increase on the previous year. And it's not justifiable or defendable, of course. But let's get this into perspective. Of the millions of households that rent in the UK, it represents a proportion of 0.1% of the UK housing market. So the idea that there are millions of rogue landlords out there is just not true. There are some awful people out there that are landlords as in all walks of life. But the truth is the statistics show out that actually the vast majority of landlords and the vast majority of landlords that we deal with on a daily basis want to look after their tenants, want to comply with safety legislation. And yes, it is a business for them. They do want to protect their families. That's why they invested in property in the first place. Sometimes it's for their own retirement. Sometimes it's for their children's education or other reasons. But overall, in our experience, the proportion of landlords that are bullies is actually relatively very small. I'm pleased to report. And going on to the next article, and by the way, I think that article was in the it was data from the Citizens Advice Bureau, the Charity Shelter, and the Homelessness Data System (HC LIC) and Legal Aid Agencies. Um, they said the problem is being driven by the UK's informal rental market. And I think that's right. Um, there are people that live in illegal sublets without proper contracts, meaning that they fall under the radar of local authorities. Now, I do agree with that. That does need to be policed better. But I think to tar all landlords with that brush is so unfair. Um, we see it all the time, don't we? So apart from that, we've got a campaigner taking on substandard housing. This is a guy called Kwajo Tweneboa, and he's inspired to tour the country to document the state of social housing across England after Housing Association Clarion failed to address a range of increasingly serious problems at the Eastfields estate, local to us here in Mitcham, South London, at one point taking almost a year to pull down and replace a ceiling that collapsed due to a water leak. He says he's determined to make sure that social housing conditions are treated as a priority because social housing tenants are human beings and should be treated like human beings. Well, I think that's right. And that's another example of where the local authorities are often very keen to point the finger at the private landlord, when in fact the social housing sector is worse in many occasions. Uh, In fact, mostly. But there we are. So on to other things. Pretty Patel's landlord parents have been accused of overpricing freeholds. There's an article in the Mirror. Home Secretary Pretty Patel's landlord parents have overpriced freehold properties by tens of thousands of pounds, forcing lead ho- leaseholders to take them to a pri- tribunal. A Mirror investigation has found Sashil and Anjana Patel demanded one tenant pay more than $28,000 for the freehold they bought for $4,000. A tribunal judge ruled it should have been 5,100. The Patels asked for 7,500 from a second tenant before a tribunal ruled it should be 5,751. Mr Patel wanted 17,000 for another freehold, but a judge said the price should be 2,750. The government is accused of failing to follow through on promises to reform the current system, which campaigners claim leave leaseholders at the mercy of investors who try to profit from the freehold on their homes. Well, yeah, there is legislation long overdue in that regard. We do definitely agree with you there. So questions. Got a few questions coming in today. Uh, First of all, one from Tayo. I've been downvalued. What can I do? Now, this is an increasing problem, down valuation. And I think a, a little explanation, I have done a previous broadcast, podcast on this subject, but let me give you a, a few of the headlines from that and a few things that I've thought about regarding this. First of all, the problem with the down valuation what is a down valuation? Well, it can be argued there's no such thing as a down valuation. What there is is a valuation. And the opinion of that valuer is that the property that this particular buyer is buying is worth less, not worthless, but worth less than the price agreed between the buyer and the vendor. Now, this is a a growing concern because what we're finding is that as the economy is squeezed more and as we seem to be at a very pivotal point in inflation uh, with all sorts of other pressures hitting the financial markets, there is not so much confidence around with surveyors as there was. Six months ago. And for that reason, they're a little bit more cautious with their valuations because, after all, if the property is repossessed and they're out by a long way, then they could be sued by the lender when they repossess that property back again and the lender finds that it's worth considerably less than it was bought for. So, what can you do about it? Well, there's a number of things, Tao, some of which are too late, I'm afraid. The first thing is when an agent is selling a property, they should pre prepare for the Uh, surveyor to come into their offices and if you're selling directly and dealing with the surveyor directly you should pre-prepare too by giving and providing as much comparable evidence this means evidence of properties which have already sold which are local to yours and compare with yours so that you can prove that your property value is justified if you provide no information they may seek that information from elsewhere and that information from elsewhere may not justify the price that you've got There is another problem, though, and this is a big one, is that the land registry prices lag considerably behind the market. So sometimes, for instance, we won't find when the surveyors are looking online for price comparables for your property. The last one that sold could have gone on land registry three months ago, but that sale could have only been concluded perhaps six or seven months earlier, and has only just got onto land registry. And so we had this lag between where prices are now, where they were, and what it looks like has happened. And so sometimes surveyors don't temper their valuation for that. And sometimes certain surveyors are just pessimistic. We have one particular surveyor who will remain nameless when as soon as we hear the name, we call our clients and say, look, you're likely to be downvalued. And we even try and condition the buyers to let them know that this particular surveyor has a reputation for downvaluing everything they see. Uh, and in that case, you know, we do have to prepare everybody for the inevitability of the downvaluation. It's quite a frustrating thing. And, and this is how it works. Imagine you're selling a property for five hundred thousand and the surveyor disagrees with the value and he values on behalf of your buyer, of course, Um, and normally for mortgage purposes and this is where the problem comes in that the property is only worth four hundred and fifty thousand not five hundred thousand now it might well be that the buyer still agrees with you that it's worth the five hundred thousand but here's the problem they can now only borrow ninety percent of the four hundred and fifty thousand so if they wanted to still pay five hundred they would need to physically find another fifty thousand pounds in cash that's the problem If you met them in the middle, and let's say you agreed to sell it to them for $475,000, they still have the problem of finding the deposit, i.e. 90% of the four fifty dollars it's valued at, plus the $25,000 in cash. So that's what the problem is. And so you can see why it can be insurmountable for many, and they will withdraw from the sale or just not be able to proceed. There are things that you can do. You can appeal the valuation. However, in my experience, It's unlikely the surveyor will turn it over, regardless of what information you provide, but you should certainly try. If you know it to be wrong, speak to local agents, look at the data that you can, and hopefully you've got an agent that has access to some good professional tools that can back up that valuation. And hopefully the surveyor will reconsider, but don't hold your breath. They may not. Now, the other thing that you could do or your buyer could do, Tao, is they could decide to go to another lender. And the other lender would use a completely different surveyor. And the likelihood of them agreeing to the value depends on the comparables available. And in my experience, there can be a large variation of opinion between surveyors. So it's quite likely that one surveyor will come along and say, no, it's not worth it. Another one will come along and say, yeah, it's fine. And within 5% of a value, I always argue is impossible to conclude because that's the variance of wind behind you on a good day and wind against you on a bad day. And so market circumstances can dictate that. So within 5% of any value, you know, because we've been valuing properties for so long here, although we're not chartered surveyors and don't do mortgage valuations, most surveyors will call us for comparables because we are the most established local agent having been here for 30 years. And so I speak to surveyors literally every day about valuation. and. If we're within a five percent variance, I always agree that the uh, the price is reasonable because I don't think you can value any more accurately than that. There is always an element that is in the wind with valuation. Um, if the second surveyor comes along and and values at the correct pr- at the full price, then you don't have a problem anymore. However. If the new surveyor comes back with the same figure, then the seller has to perhaps look in the mirror and think, well, if this is going to keep happening, perhaps I do need to consider reducing my price. Of course, that should always be a a last stop thing to do, but it can be a real issue. A few articles that I've found here, there's a mortgage and equity release advisor who said that she's seen an upturn in down valuations suggested it was down to the lack of options faced by buyers. She said the shortage of supply and potential buyers are offering more than property is worth in order to secure it. And when the value of visits on behalf of a lender, they decide that the purchase price is not a reflection of the actual value as the price is more of a one-off, what we call a unicorn offer. Um, There is some truth that sometimes some people will come along and make an offer out of kilter with the average for the area because they want to secure it. But question, does that make it not worth the money or is it worth the money at that point because something's worth what someone will pay? It's certainly not an exact science. You know, we know that the higher percentage loan that your borrower, your buyer is trying to go for, the more likely that they'll be affected by a down valuation because the risk to the the lenders is higher when the buyer has a larger percentage loan. So if you want to avoid down valuations and you've got a choice between a buyer with a large deposit and a smaller one, there's your answer. Go for the one with a larger deposit. But of course, are not always equal there are other considerations that you need to think about as well such as do you think that this buyer will be as committed Uh, does it look like this buyer is genuine and do you think they're the right choice for your property if they're an investor and you really would rather you didn't sell to an investor because of your neighbors that's another consideration i always say you know it's your choice who you sell to you don't have to sell to who an agent tells you to sell to and we'll always take advice from our clients and say look it's up to you but it's important that you have the full facts what are the people like and this is one of the reasons why we accompany all viewings because we believe that when our sellers say to us look you know what's your advice who do you think are the best buyers here if we viewed the property with them then we have an idea about who they are what they're like uh, what they're doing what their circumstances are and those circumstances lead us to a conclusion about their motivation and what we want is the most motivated buyer because that's the one most likely to go through and commit to the purchase of the property so really important that in terms of the type of property that are most likely to be downvalued well here in london and i think across the uk actually statistically it's flats Um, because houses it tends to be there's more confidence in house prices but flats have been hit hard since the Grenfell um Tragedy and the pandemic, but they are coming back up strongly now, and we are finding that they are selling. First time buyers are back as confidence returns to the market generally. Um, another question came in from Dave: Ken, loving the podcast, keep up the good work. Can I ask you a question? When should I sell? What are the seasonal trends? When the, when should I start them? When should I look to buy? Well. When you sell depends on what you're doing, Dave. And thanks for the comments, by the way. Um, And what I mean by that is, first of all, what are your circumstances? If you're just selling and looking to achieve the best price, then that's a different consideration from if you're buying and selling, which most of us are doing. And the problem there is you've not only got to consider what price you're selling for, but also whether you can find something in the area that you wish to live. And this is increasingly becoming a problem across the UK because the volume of sales has gone down so significantly. And this is something I expect to happen over the next six months is that we will still see the market prices holding firm across most of the UK and particularly here in London. Mm -hmm. But the level of sales, the number of people selling will reduce as people have less confidence about the economy, uh, the future and things that are going on, such as the Ukraine war the fuel crisis, inflation, and us Brits are good at doing one thing. I always say this day, but it's true when we're not sure we'll do nothing. And so in terms of timing, let me go back to the question and answer it fully when the market is as busy as it is now in London, when you sell is less important than if the market tightens and there are less buyers out there at the moment, we've got an average of 20 buyers for every one property so that even if the number of buyers halved we would still have 10 buyers for every one property so provided a property is pitched at what is considered a competitive price people will commit to it they will buy it now that could happen in the middle of winter same as the middle of summer but here are the seasonal trends because this is what you really are asking dave i hope anyway this answers your question the most popular time to sell is spring and i always say this when the weather breaks. And that's because everyone feels a little bit better when the sun's out. Properties look better when the sun's out. Locations look better as well. And people tend to bat themselves down over the winter and think about coming out and buying after Christmas as the weather gets a little bit more temperate. And certainly we find that spring is a fantastic time for this. The other great thing about spring is it's a very long selling season starting all the way back from April and going right the way through to June. That three month period is busy. Even March is quite busy. But April to June is a really critical time for us. And we find it's the busiest time of the year, generally speaking. But as I've already said, when the market is as busy as it has been, you can sell any Why does it quieten down after June? I hear you ask. Well, July and August, we have the holidays. During the holiday season, when the children are off school, parents typically don't want to (laughs) know. They want to go out with their children. They want to have some fun. They want to play. They want to go on holiday and they want to enjoy their children while they're around. And rightly so. So what we tend to find is that during school holiday times, as the schools break up, so the market, particularly for family homes, goes down dramatically. And so in terms of timing, you might want to consider selling in the springtime. And the lovely thing about selling early springtime is that you then have a substantial time before the market quietens down again. So the other thing to bear in mind is at the moment, we're just heading towards a double bank holiday. Many people think that because the double bank holiday is here, that will lead to an uptake in the number of people looking to view. And in fact, the opposite is true. That most people go away, as I've already said, because the children are off school. They enjoy themselves with short breaks, perhaps going overseas. And what this means is the market's much quieter than many sellers anticipate it will be. So if you have found that over this double bank holiday, you're not mad with viewings, don't worry. It will come back as soon as the holidays are over and people start to return. You'll find that buyers will come back. It will quieten down again, as I've already said. It will quieten down in July and August as the children break up from school. And then we have what we call the mum's market. Second week in September. What happens here is and the scenario is this picture, this the parents are indoors over the summer holiday. It's August. They're having a lovely time in the garden with the children. And all of a sudden it rains. So open the patio doors, In come the children, In come their bikes. And then mum and dad look at each other and say, goodness me, those bikes are bigger. Those children are bigger. There's no space in this house anymore. It's time to go. So people then think about selling. And they turn those thoughts into action once the children are back at school and they've got quiet time I call September the mum's market and I call it that for a reason that in our experience 90% of the inquiries we get come from mothers and they come from mothers after the children are back at school Sometimes they're out working and they just now feel that they've got quiet time to deal with it Sometimes they're at home and have time to just dedicate totally to their search and to their sale of their property The September market is a much shorter one, in my experience, starts the second week in September as things go back to normal after the holidays, and it starts to close down about the middle of October. So you've literally got quite a small window there before it starts to get darker and colder, and therefore the number of people interested in moving goes down substantially. But, and here's the big caveat, in the market as busy as it is today, it doesn't really matter that much because we've got so many more buyers sellers that whenever you wish to sell provided you price your property at the correct level there will be buyers out there everything sells providing it's got the three p's the correct price the correct promotion and the correct presentation those three things all in a line and we've got ourselves a sell so i hope that helps you dave and i hope that answers your questions. Um, certainly we're finding at the moment still very busy. There are many buyers out there looking for the next house to come on the market. We're excited to release another three homes on Monday and the reason they're not being released right now is that we know that over the holidays it will be quieter and therefore they won't get the traction that they will receive by next week as things return to a more normal state. So I hope you have a fantastic bank holiday or two and enjoy the queen's platinum jubilee we certainly will let's hope the weather's nice look after your friends and your family and yourselves and we'll be back next week with another edition until then stay safe and well thanks for listening